Hi, I'm Gary David. And I'm Adam Gamwell. Welcome to Experience by Design, the podcast where we explore experience designs of all kinds. First off, Happy New Year to everyone out there in the Experience by Design community. Thanks for joining us again for another exciting year. We're going to bring you much great content and we look forward to it, including today's offering. Now, one of the fascinating things about doing experience design is the innumerable ways in which we can apply our understanding and our work. Well, we might talk about silos such as customer, user, employee, patient, student, and the like, it does always come down to people, or some might say comes down to humans. And it's not just that we are dealing with humans in our design, which should be pretty obvious, but that we should be humanistic when approaching our designs and for whom we are designing. Rather than designing at people, we need to design for them or even hopefully, ultimately, design with them. Now, there are many ways that our designs can make a difference in people's lives when we are open to those possibilities. And part of experience design is being open to those possibilities and those ways to make a transformational difference. Today on Experience by Design, we are very fortunate to have Vishali Dialani, now of Konobos, but formerly from Now Money. And Vishali is also a winner of the CXPA, 2022 Emerging Leaders in the CX Award for the Middle East. Now, now Money was founded as a way for migrant workers in the UAE or UAE Arab Emirates to send money back home. But it's become much more than that. And it has a greater impact beyond just user or customer experience. The service has come to transform folks' understanding of money, of savings, of personal finance, and growth for its users. Rather than being just seen as a transactional instrument or technology, Now Money has become more of a transformational technology. Now, we talk with Vaishli about how the company started with the strong dose of empathy for their customers, who are often in precarious employment and immigration situations regarding their stability and opportunities. And she talks about how her own background of being of Indian descent, but growing up in Dubai, helped her build trust with her customers. We also explore how the use of the app was about much more than just the app itself, right? But it's about things like cultural norms and mindsets and social context. And ultimately, this financial tool had a major impact on setting culture through technology, impacting the person who is using it, as well as the family back home where the money is being sent. And in this way, it became a tool to help provide services and support to the globally underserved and unsupported. So with all of that exciting description, uh, we are really happy to have the 2022 CXPA Emerging Leader Award winner for the Middle East. That's a mouthful, but mm -hmm. well-deserved of Aishali Dialani to talk with us about her amazing work with Now Money. Yeah, no one, no, you know, when you tell people that you, you're, you're an academic, they don't go, wow, that's amazing. They go, huh. But when you say FinTech, I work in FinTech. People must be impressed by that. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, people earlier, earlier on, they didn't have the idea of what fintech was. And they're like, oh, fintech, what is like, what's that? You know, what exactly is it? Are you a bank? Are you a solution? Um, I think eventually they kind of get a hang on it because, you know, the awareness of fintechs a lot more here than um, it has been in the past. Maybe I should start calling academia like ed tech. So I use technology. 
I love well, that. Also Does exists. it really count? That- Dang it. Oh, <laughs> uh, forget it. Yeah. It is a thing. Is it really? I don't know. I, was mm-hmm. like, I guess I'll just be uninteresting and say academics. As opposed <laughs> to fintech. Everyone knows what that means, but no one necessarily is impressed by it. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, one thing we could think about here is, is the idea of experience oh. tech and, and how that oh. might... Um, like what is that? What is that? I guess maybe we can do a thought experiment. What does that afford us to think about if we say experience tech? Like whether we're thinking about in the financial services space or education, like what is what is experience tech? What what might that look like? I think I think if I have to think about it, it's like the user not using effortlessly um, and subconsciously navigating themselves through the tech, um, not requiring any brain effort at all. And still mm. being able to do that very seamlessly. That for me would be an experience tech. That's what I think of it. Mm-hmm. I like that idea. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I think, yeah, so certainly the, I think the question of friction resonates in mm. how do we make the, the process feel smooth and effortless. And then I think it's interesting about that too, because as, as we know, like working on the other side of tech in terms of like developing software is an insanely laborious part of the process, right? So it's like to get something to be effortless or frictionless for the user uh, is a massive amount of, of work on the on the other side. So I think this is, it's interesting too, because it's it's kind of like, you know, Apple computers has talked about it as, as magic, right? Yeah. <laughs> when you don't, you don't notice design until it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's interesting because like even FinTech too seems like an, an, an arena that arose because there was so much friction, um, you know, between financial services and um, whether it's like sending remittances or sending money or or even accessing a bank or having access to bank accounts if if one is mm-hmm. has just a mobile phone, for example. So I think even even that is interesting too in, in terms of um I guess in your experience, I'm curious the the desire to bring a better experience to finance. Um, you know, what drew you into that space also? And and I'm kind of curious to think about that with you and then what we'll build some ideas off off of that, but um, you know, for listeners that are getting to know you and your work first or for the first time, yeah. What what kind of brought you into that that area? Very interesting. Um, you know, and 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 and, and the, you put the question out really well. Um, for me, I think it's about solving a problem um, in a way that we that is effortless. Um, that's what drew me in. Uh, I found that we were able to cater to a market, to a customer base that no one really cared about or didn't wasn't inclusive enough uh, to be making, you know, money out of it in a, in a financial world. Um, so I think, I think that's what is the key there. And because literacy levels for those listening on, on call, um, I work for a FinTech company where we work with, for the low income migrant workers. So anyone earning less than 5,000 dirhams in the UAE who cannot afford a bank account, we provide them with a mobile application solution through which they can get um, inclusive uh, services such as access to money transfer, mobile recharge, salary advance, and a debit card through which they can do anything and everything they want. Um, Otherwise, they would just be paid through cash. Um, The accessibility of bringing financial service at their fingertips in whichever labor camp they are just feels so soul-filling, like in a way that you really really matter. What you do really matters and you can really make a difference in someone's life and make a better world for them, which otherwise they would have no access to at all. That I think was my motivation to even 
work with the current company I am. One of the things that I was able to learn about, I watched some cricket on television here in the United States, and I've tried to learn a bit about Indian culture through cricket, especially the commercials. And the commercials generally are two types. One is a, a, a wife and a mother who wants to make authentic meals, but doesn't have time because she's working and she feels guilty. So you have all these mm-hmm. food, you know, pre-prepared foods. The other one is sons and daughters who are working outside of India and are guilty because their parents are back in India and they want to send money back to assuage their guilt. So, so there's a lot of guilt for different reasons in the, in the commercials on cricket. Um, but it, it really made me think about the extent to which remittances is not just an economic lifeline, but an emotional lifeline for people who leave their home country, whatever country that is, to go work to support family back home. And this idea of, of you know, the company that you work with, Now Money, creating, you know, not just making it easier to do, but filling an emotional need for the workers who are looking, who are there to support families, loved ones who are living someplace else. You are absolutely bang on uh, right over there because I think that's what we realized very early on when we started, um, you know, approaching customers that it's not it's not a transactional behavior for them. It's an emotional behavior for them. They do it out of love, care and the support that fa- their family needs. And if they don't do right. it, they feel guilty. So for them, um, you know, it's not about uh, my it wouldn't matter if I send money or I don't send money. But it's almost to a state of place where if I don't send money, they don't have food to eat at home or they don't have, um, you know, the ability to fulfill their basic necessities, which they otherwise cannot without the income of this migrant worker that who's trying to send money back home. So it's almost very emotional. And if anything in this interview, you know, um, anything that can affect their journey, because, I mean, they already work so hard, sending money is the most it should be the most rewarding experience you want to have uh, and offer to your customers rather than it being painful and monotonous and like waiting outside an exchange house for really long. So I think that's, it should be seamless and should be more rewarding. And that's the kind of experience we want to offer. Yeah. And especially the exchange house image, right? That these workers are already working. I was in Dubai. I've been to Dubai a few times. And one time was in July, which I don't recommend. Lovely place to visit, not in July. <laughs> and I was walking around, sweating to death, just walking. And I was watching people work yeah. outside in this heat and humidity. And just the image of people working so terribly hard under sometimes difficult conditions and then having to go wait in a line yeah. outside, as you said, an exchange house because they were paid in cash. It just, I mean, the, the, the amount of, like I said, not transactional, but the service that this product provides in terms of quality of life that now you don't have, you know, if you're yeah. not working any longer, if you're, you know, your, your day, your shift is done, you can actually have some maybe hopefully downtime and not then have to go wait in line for however long it takes to go send money back home. You can actually recuperate from work. Hundred percent. It makes so much difference because they stay in such remote areas where accessibility to even their uh, local markets are not very easy, and they need to take like a camp bus or need to visit, um, you know, have some kind of other mode of transport to communicate from one place to other because they can't. It's not at a walking distance, um, and you don't realize that. I mean, they have only a day off. Um, 
it really makes such a huge difference and the amount of like even you know reviews that we get on on our google play store or on app store is saying oh i didn't you know this is the most amazing app it has made my life better it just you don't realize in the day to day tasks of your life of how, what big difference you're making in a bigger picture um and to really be get validated by customers like that whom we really make a big difference to is is amazing i think that, that that's a really an, an interesting and important point and like two things that stand out there that i'm, I'm curious to to get your thoughts on is Oftentimes, like when we're when they're either building a product or thinking about a service that we're offering, right? It can be incremental changes that we're putting in and kind of implementing. But then, uh, you know, how do we think about that as we're as we're putting together the experience that we're hoping for our our you know our customers to have? Uh, you know, what have been some of your your methods or ways of thinking in terms of developing empathy with with the with the customers and consumers? So part of it, I mean, even what I hear you both sharing right now is is getting a sense of hey, how much time I'm spending at work. Um, what I typically would have to do to get paid after work, how that means I'm spending my limited free time, um, you know, when I'd rather be doing something else. So just thinking about this too, even even the kind of stories in terms of the journeys that that folks are going on, um, I'd love to hear a bit about that in terms of in terms of arenas or areas of empathy in terms of how do we how do we find that? It's, whether it's like observational ethnography that we do with, with folks, or like kind of even how we're tweaking the the tools that we're building. But I think that's such an important part of of getting experience right is knowing what our users are feeling and, and thinking right so so how, how have you kind of approached that um in this in this scenario yeah really good question um so i feel like one thing that i've realized is you know feelings don't naturally come or not considerate enough um in the world of tech um so mm. being able to build empathy is a process it does not happen very easily it is not something that every stakeholder understands because everyone comes from diverse backgrounds so i think there are two kinds of empathy that are really involved in the process first one is internal empathy which starts with getting buy in from your internal stakeholders to be able to understand and approach the problem in a similar manner and then there is the external empathy towards your customers who are your end users and are using your application um once you understand and everyone internally is on the same page and understand that we're trying to solve a problem collectively empathy is built a lot more and is collectively then works um you know because then you understand both aspects of what a customer wants and what you internally can provide them based with the existing resources you kind of have um you know you have to be as long as you're empathetic uh, you have to have take the right approach of knowing what's exactly good for it um good for the customer in the short term and the long term and how can you as a business be able to offer it all in um and to what extent can you do that um So having said that when it comes to external empathy um it takes a lot of observation ethnographic research um persona creation brainstorming activities um the more intangible stuff the stuff that people otherwise cannot see understanding their motivational drivers understanding what their daily day look like where have they come from what's their family like in india or in other parts of the south asian market um what does their family do there uh, are they sending money for the education of their child um are they trying to you know um support their retired parents 
what are they doing what are the kind of responsibilities and baggage they kind of come up with as a migrant worker in in this region and to earn money uh a lot of ch- and then understanding obviously these are the motivation drivers what's their aim and their future like what's their goal like and then seeing what are the current challenges they have um do they have a savings account how do they manage their money money is not something that they have been conditioned to talk about um very easily so it doesn't really it's not a conversation that money is such a I don't I think we've been conditioned unfortunately in a manner where we don't talk about money very effortlessly uh mm-hmm. it we talk about it being very conscious i mean why is someone asking me about my money are they investigating me about my money like how do you bring out the topic of conversation about money a lot goes into psychological thinking and being able to then gather all these insights categorize them understand all the problems that you have and then kind of propose a solution that you think fits in best with the business customer needs as well as the business needs um but at the same time realize that the end goal is your customer here and that and you as a cx professional have to be the voice of the customer hmm. and for you yeah. Yeah, no, and, okay. and, and I, as you're talking about all of this, like it's kind of like this translation mode that you find yourself in. And I'm kind of curious about you, you yourself personally. You're from, if I remember correctly, you were born in in Dubai, correct? You're from there, but yet you're also mm-hmm. of yeah. Indian ancestry, correct? So correct. you kind of serve both, right? I mean, so you can go to workers as a person who is of Indian ancestry, Indian origin, and they can recognize yeah. you, right? But then also, if you're talking with people <laughs> like businesses within, you know, the Dubai or the GCC, yeah. you understand that world as well because you're from there. So I'm kind of curious about, you know, the, the position you find yourself in as this ethnographer and as this designer of experiences of kind of straddling both of these worlds and how you're able to use that to, to translate back and forth between these different groups who, as, as your website talks about previously, that they were disconnected in terms of opportunity that banks did not see or companies did not see these mm. workers as being able to navigate this. But now you're able to come in and translate, speak on their behalf to the fintech or the financial yeah. services, but then you can speak on behalf of the financial services to the workers. <laughs> it is... Um... You know, no one knows it all. No one does. You find your way, you pave your way and you break through it step by step at every, through every little thing that you do. Um, I think very interestingly, you mentioned this um, thing about how I'm from Indian, Indian ancestor background. And while I still have been born and raised in the, in the, in the, in this region. And I find that it's very interesting because Dubai um as 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 a city is you know it, it's right. called the city of gold um we are it seems very luxurious it's perceived very luxuriously from the outside of the world um yet there are so many of these billion migrant workers out here uh who don't really understand the concept of money and for them this world is so different um so within dubai where you have this luxurious world there is this whole different world where these migrant workers live and work and really struggle through their days what i find interesting is and i think i've held to your to my ground the fact that you are representing them um you are their voice and as much as you need to understand the business requirements and the needs 
you need to find a middle ground to things um so you can when you feel when you complete the project you feel satisfied enough that i have added a value um and i think that that that's a reward you take with yourself um and carry on in the next projects you sort of work towards that like becomes your motivational driver almost um because no solution every solution you know when you're designing a solution or when designing an experience it's very right. hard it's very hard and i don't think anyone can speak about it very easily because it's not tangible it's not something that is visible it's something that can be felt and it's an emotional emotional roller coaster for someone who is in the world of cx so you're trying to figure out requirements you're trying to figure out the needs you're trying to match business requirements and the revenue and, and just so much going on around you and you seem to have you like a you need to offer a solution to something that you fully might not be able to scope out at at, at the very first um stage right. of the project um what i found interesting based on my learnings is that you it's not impossible but you have to understand that when you're designing an experience you have to really be in that state of mind of the person when they are using that or are or a part of that journey so for example um if they're doing an onboarding uh, if they're being you know registering on the or they're downloading the app for the first time what is what is their state of mind where have they just come from what are they thinking um and sort of design that kind of experience for them so that it doesn't feel like they have to put in an effort to know you you're already informing them and informing in a very reassuring method where it feels like very calming um money again is such a sensitive topic that when you talk about it you need to make them feel reassured and all the kind of communication that goes across is very like reassuring mm. calm and composed and even in an error message like just as an example right when you design an error message you say you did this or you know you entered incorrectly you know it's not that kind of thing it's more like hi please can you check like you know um you can double click on like to see your password or things like that where you can click on the i so you kind of take them through a guided process even when they make a mistake so it doesn't feel like they're scared of you and run away from you um it is it is not it has to feel very comforting it's like almost if like even they made a mistake you tell them i'm sorry i'm the application i made a mistake please check me again is that right. kind of conversation that you think so it's humanizing the technology uh, that you're kind of trying to create um and in you know being able to speak their language um very simply because they are you know they come from very different backgrounds from the south asian market um uh, where the literacy levels are not um extremely high and they don't have access like they've not had access to technology so they're um, so the tech savviness is quite low as well so how can you guide such kind of users how do you you know what kind of interaction models do you use them for example our application currently we designed it in such a way um, we worked with a project on ideo with ideo where we um, designed the home screen of our application mm. to be a scroll um this is the first ever time you'll see a scroll on like of of fintech app and that's very different because it's not like your average uh ui design it's very uh it's it's very illustrational based is very visual it's um it has it represents their um people from their own country or the way they dress um so that you're creating and bringing home to them uh and it's almost making them feel like they're using this application so they can support their family back home so it's you're being the interlink between them and their families um which is so emotionally connected to their 
subconscious mind that they don't even know about. That's really interesting too. And, and I love that idea that, you know, being intentional about the interaction elements, and whether that's the user interface in terms of what people see and the, the idea of a scroll is, is really illustrative of that. And or just the, the way that we write, like the copy that you mentioned too, that is focused on being reassuring. I think it is really important, you know, seeing how that's tied to the, the idea that it's not very common to talk about money, can feel uncomfortable, and it's, you know, we're not culturally conditioned to, to share about it. Um, and so how do we make this reassuring in this, this you know, third-party application to my life that could then become a first-party application, right? Something that's very important to how I, I actually facilitate the flow of money. So I think it's, it's really interesting in, in that moment too, and, and just shows, I think, how important getting that empathetic view is and then getting the ethnographic perspective of, you know, like as you said, where where am I coming from at the end of my day or the beginning when I'm hopping onto the app, right? And so like, what's my mindset going into it and what am I trying to accomplish? And so I think that, I think it's, it's really interesting to show too that even as we're thinking about digital applications, it's never just the app, right? It's never just the the, the, the piece of tech, but you know, technology as a facilitator of, of doing other things, of other human interactions um, that we might otherwise not have access to, I think is really important and, and great to see because it's always one of these questions that Gary and I, I talk about often is, you know, when we're thinking about designing an experience, we can we can and, and do and should be talking about like on one level the app we're developing. But then as as you're pointing out, Vashali, like I think really importantly that it's it's that plus everything around the app too, right? What's the cultural norms? What is the experience of my mindset when I'm coming into using the app? What am I trying to accomplish? Um, do you understand that it's not comfortable for me to talk about money? Mm. I think are these are these really important elements that that uh it's encouraging to hear, basically, you know, that, that we're seeing that, that this is a kind of the framework and mindset that is being brought to the table. Um, so I guess that's something I'm curious about, too, in your, in your experience, too, because both like, kind of working in startup spaces, you know, in fintech and then in, around the, these ideas, you know, you mentioned a little bit earlier that sometimes empathy is not first and foremost in, in the tech space. And, mm -hmm. it, you know, for, for you working also in, in a startup, you know, so if we're looking at like a small, high growth, fast growth organization, um, did you find do you, do you have more latitude to help shape that space in terms of bringing empathy and this kind of perspective into it? Because um, I'm, I'm always curious to think about we we tend to see you know for very mature tech organizations we'll see uh, you know a, a giant UX team for example, mm -hmm. but in this case if we're working with a smaller team you know that that this is so forefront and I get think already a very mature understanding of experience design I think it's just really cool so I just want to get your thoughts about that in terms of. Um, being working again in a startup, did you have more space, latitude to kind of shape that? And what did that look like for you? Um, or was it more challenging? You know, if you think about then coming into an organization that already had like a deeply established experience research practice. Really um, interesting question. Uh, um, I think a lot has to do with the culture of the company and mm. the autonomy that you're given, kind of to lead the role that you're in. Um, the flexibility to do um, what you feel is right for the customer and then sort of lead that project internally with different stakeholders, get different views. I think it's the, it starts all from the hierarchical side of like how, how the management is. And I think at Naomi, it's incredible where we all from different silos have so much uh, freedom to be able to voice um, our opinions express what we think is right. And we really are considered as the expert in the fields. 
um, that we're from. Um, so I think because we have that kind of freedom, um, the byproduct of that comes down to like exploring a lot more in our own industries and seeing what other people are doing. So it's not something that's told um, to us to be doing us things in a certain manner. You kind of explore it for yourself and the business and you take that right stand for yourself because you kind of know what the end goal is, right? You're taking an outside in approach here. You know what the outside the, the goal is and then internally how to work that out is um is what you need to figure out um so i think it all begins with the culture and while you are always lacking resources internally um when you're in a startup and you're always wearing many hats i i've been with the company for almost three years now almost three years now and it i don't remember a day that's been just <laughs> like the other it's so different every single day. Um, there's a new challenge every single day, which keeps you on your toes, which is very exciting. Um, and you really learn. When I entered, I didn't know about UX, um, but I explored my way through it all. So I think you know, you're, you have an intuition as a person um, and you guide through that path with the company. And so I think it's a combination of the company freedom um, the higher management supporting you and trusting you in what you're doing. Uh, there is an element of the buy-in from different stakeholders. That is very, very important because they come from different backgrounds. And then there's this piece where you join all the dots together to be able to create what you want to be able to create for the as an experience for the customers. So it's not easy, but it's definitely possible and effortless in a way when you collectively take everyone with you together in the journey. Otherwise, it can get very hard. Um, and you kind of build a culture. I didn't know I was building a culture. I didn't know I was doing things because it just felt so normal to me that I didn't realize that I was doing it all and being that initiator in the business. You know, you're kind of leading projects and then you do one and then you do the other and you're like, oh my God, I'm actually like the person here, you know, doing this or leading these uh, kind of brainstorming or design thinking activities internally to be able to um, create user-centered designs one one of the things that and i don't know if i'm jumping too deep in here but this is like where my mind is going that you're dealing with a population and these migrant workers who are coming from primarily south asia who perhaps in their home countries do not come from a a culture in which they are viewed as being relevant important privileged right they might be from the lower levels of society not entirely but often they might be from the lower levels of society where they're kind of marginalized, right? And then they're coming to the Gulf to work, where, again, they might be experiencing marginalization given their status in society. So you're, they're marginalized maybe back home. They're marginalized in this new context that they're in. And then you come along and they're, I won't say privileged, but now you're the customer. Now, you know, their position is we want to we serve you. You know what I mean? So they... They go from a you know cultures in which no one might be trying to serve them into mm -hmm. a work environment where no one's necessarily trying to serve them. Their their needs are not prioritized, and now they're dealing with you all, and you're trying to prioritize their needs. And I'm just to me, maybe I'm romanticizing it, but it just sounds kind of beautiful. <laughs> it is. It's actually very true because you. And you feel that love and energy from them when you meet them. You feel it. And they love, like, it sounds bizarre, but they love talking to us. Um, 
when they talk to us they feel like oh they're like my friends you know they talk to us so casually mm-hmm. on our customer service calls and she's just like okay have another customer waiting you know it's like we don't need to chat really <laughs> they love you um and and you can really feel that uh, so you're absolutely bang on right on the fact that you know uh they feel so valued with us and that's the kind of experience we were going for that's the kind of product we wanted to create so i think we've been able to achieve uh what we wanted to do at the first place um while we and and that's i always truly believe that it starts with an experience and it leads to and like retention loyalty and engagement follows through um because there is love for the brand there is love for the product and there's love for the people involved so you hold on to that intangible thing and everything else will follow through i think that that's actually a, a really powerful point too that the like how do we think about where we're beginning in terms of the 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 customer journey in their relationship with us and, and that like experience uh you know we can talk about them as these discrete moments of an onboarding process but then also in in this case too that if we actually um are, are strategic and think across like the the experience ecosystem it leads to then like this idea of a, of an ongoing relationship a love for the brand um and a trusted partner and friend kind of in, in how i experience my life and i think that's again also i they really really just this in, in powerful part especially you know as as gary is noting too that if we're serving traditionally underserved communities folks that have are coming from you know different levels of of power in society um and they have not been served in in similar ways that we might see like a different kind of banking class of people um it is really important to to both you know approach that with empathy but then also think about this in terms of what does it mean to build a relationship uh with with different kinds of of users and people that are coming from different backgrounds and recognizing too that we can offer both a diverse set of experiences but then also um bring people together around around a brand that can you know stand for and represent and provide access this way and so i think that like that's a really powerful idea i think too that also you know what i'm taking away from this too is is thinking about you know as listeners are contemplating what does it mean to do experience design you know through this conversation i think what's what's really helpful here in the way that you're articulating these this kind of arena of thinking vicely is that it is an experience that can again be this kind of discrete but then also this broader thing of building a relationship with a brand um and getting this idea of of access and and relationship and so uh you know it is this like I'm just I'm happy because this is like a really good way of like showing that the broader pictures of how these the individual experiences can fit together to build a, a bigger whole. So it's kind of like the, you know, the sum is greater than than all the the individual parts in this in this arena. So I think that this is it's it's a cool thing to see. Um, have you found? I mean, one thing I'm thinking about this too because I'm I'm kind of also want to kind of build on Gary's question there that you know oftentimes even the way that we're seeing we're talking about this is like how do we you know, working with the underbanked or un- unbanked, you know, looking at like even thinking about how we're classifying the folks that we are uh, designing for and designing with. Um, you know, what were some of the challenges? You know, you mentioned before that there can be um, a discomfort of talking about finances or money. Um, but did you find that, uh, you know, as you're both building empathy and thinking across these broader experience perspectives, that, um, you know, if we are thinking about, Folks that need to get this kind of access for remittances or sending money across borders, um, how 
I'm, I guess thinking about like, you know, ethnographically, like, do folks describe themselves as unbanked? I guess is that an industry term? Um, so I'm just trying to, like, in terms of like how we, how do we wear away or bring together the way we describe and talk about people, and then and then how they describe themselves, and like what, where's the intersection points there? Because I think that's always interesting as folks get to know a brand. Uh, you know, they may they may be more familiar with the language that the brand uses, I guess, right? And so, um, I'm not sure what the question there is, but just like, how has there been a tension between these ideas in terms of how we how folks describe themselves, users, and then also how uh, the brand talks about them as, as we think about the bigger question of relationship with brand? Oh, yeah, oh, very good question. I think everything has to do with how things are perceived. Right or how people mm. perceive other people, um, it can mean anything. It can mean your personal life. It can be to a product or a service. It can be to any relationship, for a matter of fact. Right. Um, what's very interesting here is, like you said, they might. Pre- thing is, they don't know who they are. Um, unfortunately, because I don't think they have that enough time to retros- retrospect on themselves. Um, they don't have that enough time. They're constantly loaded with a lot of responsibilities when they come to the side of the world to earn money and go back home. So their self-awareness is very limited. Um, a very tiny population might have bigger goals, something that they want to do for themselves. But most of them, over like 92% of the people of this population here is here to do something for their family or their friends or like their family basically to meet their needs. So they don't really have that time to think for themselves. Um, and a lot comes with the time with the place they're born in and how they're born and raised um, and how they've been told to behave in a certain manner. So very, a lot of psychology is involved into this question when you say, you know, how do they perceive themselves? they don't know what to perceive of themselves. Very few, maybe only 8% of the whole total population here would probably know that they see bigger dreams for themselves because they feel their family's well settled back home. Uh, but how do they define well settled when they are only sending money home to meet their basic family's necessities? Um, so I don't think they have that time to be able to understand, oh, I'm being perceived in a certain manner, but wait, I think of myself in a certain way. Is that supposed to be like not the way or like they don't have that, they don't have the time of self-analysis and evaluation. Um, And anything, any human being, I think it comes down to the basic value of what a good human being is. Um, If you give anyone love and respect, um, they will love you back. And they will forgive you. So even if things sometimes don't go in a certain manner, they still love you and forgive you because they understand that you're not perfect. um, But that does not mean like they're never going to use your app again. Like, you know, things like that. So I think it is designing an experience along with building a relationship. And that doesn't happen by designing an experience. It it, It starts from the first ever beginning that you even heard about them and how you want to condition your new relationship you have with your customers. There is people look at it very transactionally. I look at it very emotionally um, with obviously logic in it, but it's not like we're going to do everything they ever, ever wished for to have in the application, uh, which is beyond the business requirements. But at the same time, if you we can offer it to them, you rather do an A-B test and work around what works for you, what doesn't work for you, and what works for the customers. Because a lot of times, I'll give you an example. When we do user research, 
and I know you might agree with me, is they say a certain things and then you say, for example, you deployed and you're like, oh, wait, no one's using that button or no one's doing that certain thing. Like, what is it you told me? And, and this is the user re- research proof, that kind of thing, you know? Um, so why has that engagement not happened on the app or what what le- what was wrong um, between the two? What was the discrepancy? So I think a lot has to do with, they have to be in that moment of time to maybe click that button or not click that button. So they might say things, um, but not necessarily want it or need it or just feel like they have a clouded version of something in their head that does not even exist. Um, which is why you have to like, you know, design based on the mindset of the person in that moment of time when they're using your application. And that moment is just a very tiny moment. It is, it is a headspace that you can't get again and again. Say, you know about my brand for the first time. I'll never have a first right. again. So how do you create that first and, and, and create it the best possible way? Cause that's a breaker, uh, the icebreaker deal there. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's, I love this idea of the moment in time because, you know, there are so many moment in times that, you know, these, these folks might be experiencing. And do you have a sense of when, you know, during the week or during their, you know, the, 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 the pace of their life when they are using the app, is it, only right after they get paid that that happens and then they don't touch it again? Or are they monitoring, you know, what's, are there other parts of the service of the app that provide certain financial services that they can monitor and then become more aware of what their money is doing? How, how do yeah. you get a sense of when they're using it and how they're using it and then build off of that to see what other kinds of services or features they might be interested in? So I think a lot has to do with, um, and this goes back to once they behave in a certain manner, you then analyze data and understand things better. Um, And it has to do with their timing. So like we've, what we've learned from base, you know, um, the behavior of these customers is that they use it at a certain time when they're free. Um, And that was kind of what exactly matched when we started off our research. So when we did our research, we when you understand this is the time stamp right. they are free in, and then you kind of like use the application, get some data, analyze, and you're like, bang on, that's the time they're using it because they're like free and they're the right headspace. So like send campaigns out at that time, do the promotions at that time. That's not the time they're cooking or make, speaking to their family. Then they're enjoying their own me time. Um, so I think being able to get like that right moment of time is very, very important. And it comes with a lot of analyzing of the existing data and behavior patterns uh, of the customers. So for example, there are, it depends on the internet and this varies again. Uh, it's not like everyone, you know, all, all finger um, fingers are the same. Every size, it's so different because someone has access to internet. Someone does not have access to internet. Someone gets paid at a certain time. Um, so behaviors are very different. and quite dependent on external factors. But at the same time, you do realize that they love checking the exchange mm. rate. They love exploring the app. They um, We have one of the best exchange rates in the UAE um, and they know that by now. So it is. it takes them time to develop. So maybe what they were one month, um, the frequency of the app wouldn't be as much as it was in the next month. Um, so eventually they start building that trust on um, because you've continued continuously giving them a good experience day by day so it you that behavior kind of comes with the trust you build every single day so from the time of the onboarding to say the first first 
first 30 days, how are they behaving? And then you see an incremental increase in the second month and then the third month and then the fourth month because they believe you're consistent with your design, you're consistent with your experience you're offering them and that they can trust you. And so I think it, it goes, it's, I don't think right. it's ever documented or like said that it's supposed to be a certain way. Um, but you kind of have this intuition and data shows that this is the way they're behaving because of this. And then you kind of understand the different hypotheses involved in this and match it to your user research. I really, what I really love about that, I'm going to use this as an example when I teach my ethnography course for experience design is, as I tell my students, you can use quantitative data in ethnography, right? Because what, what you're describing here, I think, which is fascinating, is that you can see the layout of their day through their app usage and then also the changing yeah. relationship they have with money and finances over time through the feature usage. So when they first come over, they might not have an understanding or relationship with money that, uh, that from, from where they're from. But then you can see that change in mindset and understanding and relation to money through the change of how they're using the app. And that's just, that's just really interesting because that's some tremendously valuable cultural insights that you're able to gather on this kind of back-end data. Yeah, you're absolutely right over there. I think it also a lot involves with how you kind of um, understand them. So it goes back to having a very strong foundation and understanding of these customers. I, I think what we need to do is is put together a case study for right. Gary's no, class seriously. about this. Because this is a great idea, actually. Oh, seriously, right? It. <laughs> oh my God. It. It's because it, it really does such make it makes the point, right? That yeah. You know, on the one hand, if you're just doing marketing analytics, if if you knew nothing of these 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 customers that you're describing, nothing of their world, nothing of these larger experiences, that data is going to give you a certain window, and that's good. Yeah. But once you, as you said, you have this foundational knowledge mm -hmm. of their worlds, that data that you're collecting takes on a whole different meaning because of the richness, the stickiness of that you know, real world data, that life data that you're able to collect because of your positionality and your engagement with the customer. So the, the data becomes transformed in meaning because of this foundational understanding. And it also has to do a lot with consistency. I don't think people talk about it enough, um, but consistency is extremely important when you're offering an experience in design. Yeah, I think this is great. I, I, like, I'm, I'm making a note here, which sounds very unpodcasty. <laughs> I think this is, this is a, this is a great example actually to think about, like, um, what a case study can look like in terms of how taking typical user data um, from app usage over time and actually seeing what is this, how does this map onto, to, you know, cultural norms and people's relationship with money changing. I think it's, it's really fascinating, um, and we don't, we don't hear this angle spoken about or written about enough, I think, because it is like, how do we improve user engagement on an, on an app? And it's like, yeah, but, um, you know, to, to, to what, we're, what we're kind of exploring here is how is that related to the relationship with money changing, which is, which is the bigger point also, right? And it's like, what does it mean to build that relationship with consumers and help them like improve their lives through, through products and services that we're offering? So I think that this is a really interesting uh, angle. I, I think we're onto something here is, is what I'm trying to say. All right, so we have homework to do. We have a case study that... We got some homework. 
<laughs> well, I, I, you know, but I also going back to you know the whole the whole point is that the, the you know it's it's a service mentality, not in the sense of customer service, but in terms of you know community service in a in a in a respect, right? And I'm editorializing here, but it's on the one hand, it's this idea of yeah, yeah, we have to service the customer and give them something useful and usable and frictionless. But this is really doing a service to a community that traditionally has not been served. Or underserved, or or ignored, and again, I just I just think it's a beautiful story to think about in terms of how something as I won't say simple as a financial services app, but something as common in our lives as a you know is e banking and e commerce becomes socially culturally transformative in this other context. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And do people, I'm curious, when people join the company, do they, I mean, is, do they come in with this sense of mission and purpose? Or is this something that, you know, that is instilled with them? Or is it like a little bit of both? Does this, when people come in, is it that, yeah, I want to work in financial or fintech, but I want to do it in a way that I feel like I'm contributing something meaningful to the world other than just, you know, working for a large conglomerate bank. And, And not that they don't do meaningful things. But that it, you know, it's everyone <laughs> likes to ha- have access to their money. But this is like a different kind of meaningful thing. I think it's at a different level than than what traditional services might yeah. be. <laughs> so I think we in hire very intentionally. Um, we hire people that match our core values, that match the company core values, understand the mission and the vision of the company. Um, which are quite a few difficult criteria to fit into. Uh, and that I think makes us the team we are. Um, we're incredible together. And I can I can watch for it because I love them all. Um, but I think we all have a sense of higher responsibility that is instilled within each one um, because we know we're working for a bigger purpose. And that kind of drives everything that we do uh, together and individually in our different roles. So I think it's a combination of two. Um, everyone loves Navani and they feel like they can add, be in value add to it more than anything else and to our customers. Yeah, that's something that I think is is important even to know too and think about like how, how we're staffing our organizations. You know, and, and I love this point you made, Gary, where you know, these individual experiences can actually point us towards the this broader social impact when we consider a different kind of angle or, or way of like how we're impacting through that. And so um, I think even again, you know, to your point, Vaishli, on the on the organizational side too, of how do we uh, build up the internal culture of the organization to align on kind of goals and values. And this is always one of these things too that... Um, you know, I really, I liked the way before you said, it's like, I wasn't even sure that I didn't realize I was making a culture when I was kind of putting these different methodologies and practices in place. And I think that's, that's an important insight. Also, I think for a lot of folks that are um, leading organizations is that they may not recognize that their actions, if they're just like, I'm just trying it. It's like, well, they're actually also setting a culture, you know? And so, you know, <laughs> to realize that the wake of one's footprints, right. When, when doing that is, is really, I think, important um, to help leaders learn to see, right. And it also really you 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 obviously are creating experiences for or designing experiences for your customers, but at the same time you're trying and creating experiences for um, right. for the employees, 
and it's equally like we can dive into from cx to uh, cx and ux to uh, to ex where you know you're learning about employee experience was if they are if your frontline workers are not happy your customers are not going to be happy there's not going to be an engagement it's just like a loop um so it all starts from you know if someone's being onboarded you continue to maintain their momentum internally uh, and keep that drive by offering them the kind of good experiences through their journey internally so that they can sort of you know uh, as a bad product make the customers happy and get the money and you know keep the business um flowing so i think that experiencing for employees is as important as it is for customers i've, I've been i've been doing a bit on along with another a friend of mine who does this work on the employee experience customer experience linkage and i just got done teaching a course on employee experience and you know it's one of the biggest things to stress is that you know Happy employees make for happy customers, right? This 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 should not be a revelation. This should not come as a surprise to anybody. But it's just fascinating how much that gets missed. That you you know, the, 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 if you have workers who are committed, who are engaged organizationally, who you're designing good experiences for, and it's meaningful, that is going to translate to how the customers are experiencing things, and vice versa. If you have employees that are disengaged, not interested don't feel cared for it's hard to get them to care for the work that they're doing and uh that you know the customers that they're serving 100% i couldn't agree anymore well that's a relief because if you disagreed that would have been uncomfortable we would have had to edit that out and uh you know put dub in that you agreed yeah I, but you know it's it's hard it that, that can get lost especially at least in a you know in a, an American cultural context where you get this sense of the customer's always right or the customer comes first and you're like, well, no and no, <laughs> you know, that, and, yeah. and as we talk about, you know, this larger question of great resignation and, uh, you know, employee experience that it's a, it's not a liability. It's a strategy. It's not something else you have to do, but it's something you need to do. And that companies need to commit yeah. to it. And I think that companies that are more established have a harder time because their processes are more entrenched. Whereas startups, you can <laughs> you can mm-hmm. make culture in an ongoing way because it's an emergent thing that is still taking shape. And and shape from right. the way found, from the foundation of uh, from the core foundation. Because if you if I was to come in you know, probably they'll be the first one in a team of like a hundred doing that. It would be even more difficult for me to try and get a hundred people's buy-in than it would be for me to get 10 people's buy-in and sort of create a culture right in. So from the core foundation and having that seed embedded um, is, is a key because um, it can kind of read, it's an asset to the business. It's an asset. Uh, and it should not be looked at, oh, your experience should not be looked upon as cost cutting. It should be looked at as, as an asset because you. the only problem with it is that the validation is not as quick as they want it to be. And so people don't really invest in it, uh, which is quite unfortunate. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, you know, I think companies are starting to come to terms with that investment. And and especially in this way that people feel feel invested in, you know, if you invest in them, they'll feel invested in as well. And, you know, with, with a service such as Now Money, you, it's easy to become invested because of the important work that's being done, not just for the customer, but this larger ecosystem of their families 
and you're, you know, the customer, the user might be the worker, but the, you know, the end customer is actually the family who's getting the money. Hundred percent. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> love it when people say that. I love it. It makes me so happy. It's like, I've my goal. <laughs> at least with me, but I'm an easy, I'm an easy out. But yeah, I, th- I think that's, you know, I think, I think you will. And when we talk with people about customer experience and user experience, it's important to think about those things differently, right? That the user might be the person technically using the app, but the customer might be anybody who is the recipient of the services that derive from that mm-hmm. use whoever that might be. And in this instance, as you talked about, it's that larger chain that goes back to someplace else where they may never even see the app, but yet they're nevertheless the beneficiaries of the work that's being done. True. Yeah, I love that too. It's like the the extended customer, I guess, but but it's like, but or true, like the actual target. So I think that that's a, also a really good example. So... Um, um, that's very true. You know, I'll tell you why. Because, say, for example, if your product and this is a very sorry, um, this is a very quick example, but I would definitely love to share how what you said adds a lot of value. For example, if you as a product cannot offer a certain agent or a money transfer provider, for example, um, that is closest to their family back home, they won't send it via you because their family will then have to commute to a certain other place in their location uh, to be able to collect money and they don't want to spend that extra cost of traveling. So end decision maker is their family back home. If they don't have a bank account, you have to find a way to send via cash. If you don't have cash, then you find a way to send via wallet. So the ultimate decision maker is the family back home. Hmm. Yeah, that's a great, that, that, yeah, that's a great point. That's really interesting. Um, Because it's true. It's like the service can't, be a service if you you have to use cash for one specific kind of, of you know there's no bank account or something. That, that, that is really interesting actually yeah i like that too that's good that's like a it's again i think i'm not i can't throw the entire like you know united states ux experience board under the bus here but but it's i think just this idea of like you know even when i'm like the way we're discussing this i think is really important to understand like who is the actual and decision maker is really interesting other stakeholder that is not necessarily, you know, it gets conflated with the user of the actual app very often in a lot of research and design processes. And like in this case, we're seeing that that's not correct. Like that, the the person won't even consider the, this service or product right? if they can't, if it wouldn't satisfy the end decision user there. So like that's that's really interesting and powerful and important to recognize. Like to not limit ourselves to the the, the user of the the app or service at that one moment. Like we have to be able to work with them and through them. But like it's actually through them. Right, that yeah. we connect with with some end decision makers. So that, that's a really important um, and powerful point. Man, I've learned a lot from this. this yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and I also feel like your research is something that can is so valuable that you can use it in different elements. So, for example, um, say you can design the app based on your user who will use the application, but your end user, who is say for example the family back home. If they are the ultimate decision makers, you kind of navigate that inside to this partnerships person who mm-hmm. then can understand, right, this is a need. This is what needs to be done. So that can then be sort of um, digressed to different silos to take up projects to sort of 
figure different things out and meet customer needs. Hmm. Right on. Cool. I, I, I feel, I feel pretty good. Um, I think this is like a really, really powerful set of, of conversational points. And then I'm, I'm taking a ton away from this. I, I we want to thank you for, for sharing your thoughts, especially and walking us through this process in your story. Um, I mean, I feel like we have a broader, and I'm saying we being the, the listener community also have this much broader understanding now of what experience design both can be, but then how do we like really think more strategically and, and intelligently about it by being, I mean, without sounding, you know, cliche, like radically human centric, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's an important part. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. This has been a great conversation and uh, thanks for sharing all the work that you do. Thank you so much. It's been such an incredible and fun conversation with the two of you. Uh, it's amazing to actually speak to people who understand the essence of design and experiencing them in the right way possible for the right customer and really value that. So it's been so much fun. Uh, thank you. And thanks a lot. Loved it. We want to thank Vaishali Dialani for talking to us about her amazing work at Now Money and her journey into CX. You can learn more about Vaishali's current work and current activities in our show notes. And as always, we want to get in conversation with you. What kind of transformations have you seen in your own work? Or what unexpected impacts have you had or would you like to have through experience design? And what are some ways that we can treat our audiences, well, more humanistically? Shoot us a message at feedback at experiencexdesign.com or get in the conversation on our LinkedIn page. And thank you, everyone, for joining us for this past exciting year of Experience X by Design, experiencexdesign.com. We are always happy to bring content with you to stimulate your experience design thinking and doing. And for those who care about the metrics, and who doesn't care about the metrics, we are very close to hitting a 10,000 download mark. Mm -hmm. So we want to thank you all for that journey to 10K. I don't know what 10K means. It's an arbitrary number, but we'll take it as an important signpost because it feels good. If you're an experienced by design company or a professional looking to increase your profile, reach out to us to talk about sponsoring an episode or a show idea. And you can always show your support and appreciation by buying us a coffee through our Buy Us a Coffee link on the experiencexdesign.com site. And as Adam said, you should always listen to Adam, mm -hmm. who doesn't, share your feedback at feedback at experiencexdesign.com. If you want to subscribe to the EXD community, Go over to our website, which I already mentioned what this, the URL was, so I won't say it again, and your email, and stay on top of all the EXD news. So with that, we look forward to a fantastic 2023 with you all, and see you all next time on Experience by Design.